and welcome to the Bait to Gila Community Podcast, teaching the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, here are your hosts, Pastor Nicholas Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, I'm Pastor Nick Plummer with Bait to Gila Congregation, and I'm here with Ryan Cabrera for our weekly podcast that we want to start putting out to uh, to educate, to inform, and to inspire. And we call it the Bait to Gila Community Broadcast, or podcast, yeah, broadcast. We're broadcasting. So anyway, uh, we want to uh, try to achieve two things with this podcast. Number one, we want to really share how the Torah portion uh, is prophetic, uh, it's relevant, it's for today, it's teachings and instructions. And of course, once again, the weekly Torah portions uh, are actually read throughout the entire world in every synagogue. So since we are starting our 19th Torah cycle, uh, we would like to just share with a lot of you uh, about that Torah portion and highlight some of the things that are found in there. And at the same time, if, if we have enough time, we really want to promote what's going on in our community, what's happening at Beit Tehila. So kind of a two-part process for this podcast. One, to really share the, the Torah and the Torah portions and how relevant it is, keep you up to date with that. And then if, as well, we want to also tell you what's going on in our community because it is quite exciting. So as we uh, reflect uh, back on this Torah portion, that began last Friday night. Um, Bereshit, which is Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, 8. Uh, just want to share a, a, an interesting uh, revelation that's, that's quite fascinating, and, and we'll just do this as an intro. We have uh, 10 generations from Adam to Noah in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 32. Once again, we have 10 generations from Adam to Noah. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 32. And they are, of course, these, these are the 10 generations. These are the names, and these are the meanings of the names. We have Adam, which means man. We have Seth, which is replaced. Enosh, which means mortal. Kenan, which means sorrow. Mahalalil, God the blessed one. Yered shall come down. Enoch, teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring, Lamech, the despairing, and of course, Noah, or Noah, which means rest. Now, if you take these names and you put them together, it actually says something very profound and incredible. It actually says through these 10 generations, through the meaning of their names, it says this, man replaced with mortal sorrow, God the blessed one shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing rest. Now, how incredible is that? That right out of the gate here, we can find Yeshua, Jesus, in the meaning of these names. And it just says, once again, man replaced with mortal sorrow. God the blessed one shall come down teaching. And what is Torah? Teachings and instructions. And it goes on to say, his death shall bring the despairing rest. How appropriate. I find it very interesting uh, for a couple of reasons, but not the least of which is, you know, when I uh, remember reading the Bible um, years and years ago, I'd get to certain parts of the Bible and you just kind of skip over it, right? The begat, 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 right? And so eventually what I uh, ended up doing, I remember I always used to tell a story about I'd start in the book of Leviticus and Leviticus would go over and over um, to... 
uh, through, you know, just things and it would repeat it uh, over and over and over again. And, and so, you know, we miss out on things like this when we don't dig into it, right? There's a reason why God is giving us the generations from Adam to Noah. Uh, and we find out later on that uh, we get the generations from Adam to Noah, you know, and then all the way up to David, and then from David all the way up to Yeshua. And all of this is important because we're following the seed. And if uh, if you hang around Beit Tehillah long enough, you'll hear that word seed uh, enough times to where uh, it's important to track the seed because the seed is Yeshua, right? And what ends up happening later on is, or actually in the previous Torah portion, is it talks about the seed of the serpent will be at enmity with the seed of the woman, which is in uh, Genesis 3. So the Torah portion of Noah really gets interesting when we get to there. And I think uh, you might have some, some comments on that. You know, as, as we conclude with Bereshit, which is Genesis 1, 1 through 6, 8, uh, Genesis 6, 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So once again, we can literally find grace in the Old Testament. And uh, this particular word is the word chen, which means graciousness, objective or objective beauty, favor, pleasant, precious, or even well-favored. So, so Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, as we move into the actual portion itself, the beginning in, in Genesis 6, 9, it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Now, right out of the bat, this guy really stands out. I mean, think about it. He's a just man. He's a zodic. It means just, lawful, righteous man. So he's a zodic. So he's a just man. And he's, he's the following three things. So that's number one. Number two, he was perfect in his generations. And that's, of course, the Hebrew word tamayim. It means entire, integrity, truth, without blemish, complete, full, perfect, sincerely or sincerity, sound, without spot, undefiled, upright, or whole. So pretty much that word just means anything good. I think it, it means integrity. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he could, uh, you could make a deal with him with a handshake and he would, he would, he would, uh, he would comply with that deal. He would, he would pull it through. So, but, but also you have to remember that there's also, uh, you know, number three is he walked with God. So uh, that brings to mind Leviticus chapter uh, 1 through 17 is the walk with God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the way, or I'm sorry, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. Once again, you have to find the way to God, and then we begin to walk with him. And that's what he did. He walked with God. He did. And, and what's interesting, uh, when you read through the Bible and you notice names, you know, we're talking about names and their meanings, and you see that uh, Tzadik word, uh, the end of many names you'll see throughout scripture, you'll see has Zedek or Melchizedek, right? The king of righteousness, yeah, right? And so you'll see, right. So you'll see that word, uh, actually thrown in kind of as a compound word into other, uh, with other words to make a name, right? And then the example I'm giving is Melchizedek, right? Which is, uh, the king of, of justice or righteousness, you know, what, what's interesting is the fact that he was these three things, and we can find this in people on the earth. We really can. If we, if we look hard and if we look, we can find uh, a just man, uh, somebody that's perfect in their generations, has integrity, and people that are walking with God. That, that is something that can actually be found. We can, we can do this. I mean, it might be rare to some degree or within the population, but it, it's true. But what comes to my mind 
is that uh, there were two things that were happening on the face of the earth to bring on God's judgment. Uh, so at the same time, here's Noah, but guess what was going on? The earth was corrupt. It's the Hebrew word shachath, and it means to decay, cause ruin, cast off, to lose, mar, perish, spill, spoiler, or waste. So the earth was corrupt before the flood came, number one. And this is what brought on God's judgment. Number two, now this is very relevant for today. The earth was filled with violence, chamak, by implying wrong, unjust gain, cruelty, damage, faults, injustice, oppressor, unrighteous, violence, violence against or violence done, violent dealing or violent or wrong. You know, we could see this in the culture. Uh, I agree completely. You can see it in the culture. And you know, what's interesting is it talks about a contrast here. There's a major contrast between Noah and the rest of the world. That Noah was like the last of the Mohicans when it came to the... (laughs) We've got some some noise going on in the lobby all of a sudden. It seems like there's a a party going out there. Um, But the... Uh, the corruption that was in the earth is contrasted by Noah being perfect in his generations. And the word, you know, the phrase perfect in his generations, if you study, has some interesting connotations there as well that we can jump into. It's integrity. You know, uh, as we begin to look at the covenants that that God has given to us, there are three uh, universal covenants that affect all mankind. So we we, we look at this uh, in hindsight. We can find this in the scriptures. We we know that this affects everybody. A universal covenant is a covenant that affects everyone. We have the covenant made with Eden by God. We have the covenant made with Adam made by God. Now the covenant made with Noah uh, made by God. And of course, we know that uh, we can see this today that this affects everybody. It's universal. And, uh, you know, Noah was commanded to build this ark. And the interesting thing was, you know, it was out in the middle of nowhere. There was, it was not like it was on a boat dock. And, of course, it had not rained at all, you know, to, to bring moisture to the earth. until said there was a mist. That came up from the earth. My to, kids were to, asking about that last night. What, what was this so mist? So here's the mist. So, so the thing is, you know, he, he's asked to build this ark, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And, 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 and the floodwaters are going to come. And so, you know, it's just like anything else with, with the restoration and regathering that the Father's doing by his word. We, we, know, we know that judgment is coming. And then, of course, as, as we look, we can ask, of course, this, this great question, you know, who shut Noah and his family into the ark? You know, it, it, was, the, it was the Lord. God the Lord himself. And we know that we have uh, eight people on the ark. We have Noah, Noah's wife, Shem, Shem's wife, Ham, Ham's wife, Japheth, and Japheth's wife. So eight people on the ark. And, of course, once again, that eight is, means new beginnings. And uh, after this, of course, we know that uh, it did uh, rain upon the earth. And for, for how long did it rain? Uh, it said in Genesis seven seventeen, it rained for 40 days. So for 40 days, 40 we know is the number for testing. And the earth literally is getting a mikvah. It's going to be immersed. And uh, in Genesis seven twenty, you know, we have another uh, observation we need to make here. Uh, how high did the waters rise up above the highest mountain? About 31 feet, which would be 15 cubits. So if we take the highest mountain in the world, which is what? Mount Everest. Mount Everest. If we take Mount Everest and you go 15 cubits above that, that would be the, the level of the flood water. So that's that's something to that's, think about. That's pretty high. I tell you what, I, I actually heard, because, um, you know, the, with the story of Noah, uh, there's a lot of science uh, out there nowadays that is taking a look at uh, geometrical, or not geometrical, or whatever, geological uh, 
uh, things in the earth, right, uh, formations like the Grand Canyon and whatnot, and they're attributing a lot of these to catastrophic flooding. And so they're finding these places all over the world that they can attribute the formation of these things, not after, you know, say necessarily um, anything other than just the the absolute power of water because water, when it flows through something, like I've got a, a piece of my property. I mean, we, we talk about it rained for 40 days. Uh, it only rained for like two days and my property gets boggy and I have little areas and whatnot that like I can't drive the truck over or I'll get stuck and whatnot. But I had, I actually have a, a, a culvert that ends on my property and it made like a little ravine, right? So you think about the flood on the earth and what it would have done to the earth from a catastrophic event. They say that, you know, Mount Everest might not have even existed before the flood, right? Wait, that is interesting. You know, you're talking about the rain and the moisture and H2O. So in Genesis 7:24, there's a good question. You know, how long did the water remain on the earth? 150 days. The earth was saturated. Imagine that you're in the ark, the rain stops after 40 days, but the, but the rain remains for 150 days. And on, in Genesis 8:4, it goes on to say, you know, here's a good question. At what time and place did the ark finally rest? In the seventh month on the 17th day, upon the mountains of Ararat, they're saying modern-day Turkey, but it's interesting. So in the seventh month, on the 17th day, upon the mountains of Ararat, in this particular day, this falls on the third day of Tabernacles. Yeah. Sukkot. So we just had that. We just had that. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, and, and how long was Noah and his family on the ark? We can, we can deduct this. It comes out to 377 days. Boy, that's a long time to go on a cruise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's a long, that's a long time. Yeah, actually that's happened uh, in modern times where people get stuck on a cruise because it breaks down or whatever in the water and they're only there for, what, a, a week? And, uh, you know, they tell the stories of, of how rough it was for those folks on the on a cruise ship. And I mean, imagine you're on a cruise ship with a buffet and, you know, <laughs> all these, you know, a water slide. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they had any of that on the ark. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was strictly business. I tell you, that's just amazing. Just to tell the story, you know, it, it's really a story of judgment. And we see a lot of these pictures of beautiful little giraffes sticking their heads out the window and elephants and stuff. But really it was a serious time. And, uh, and so as we begin to see this story uh, begin to evolve, you know, in Genesis 9, 2, here's another question. What was going to fear man? All living creatures would fear man. Uh, and then, of course, in Genesis 9, 3. So what was added to the human diet after the flood? Meat. Meat was added to the diet. Uh, up until that point, they were, they were vegetarians. It's right there in the word. Herbs bearing seeds eating the fruits and vegetables, whatever was in the garden. But now we see in Genesis 9-3 that we can uh, become carnivores, carnivorous, and eat meat. You know, that's a good segue into what I was just thinking about. You know, you were talking about the pictures you always see, and they talk about, you know, that the animals entered the ark two by two, right? But then we know by reading the scripture that Noah actually knew. When God instructed him, he said, uh, the clean animals, you want to put those on the ark in sevens, right? So how did Noah know that some animals were clean or, or which animals were clean and which animals weren't? And the answer to that question is obviously God had instructed him or somebody, right? Maybe even Adam at some point about what's clean and what's unclean, which means that the argument against, you know, uh, clean and unclean meats and clean and unclean foods in general or clean and unclean status, uh, this was a concept that they understood uh, from the beginning of mankind and not necessarily all the way waiting for the Levitical priesthood. And, you know, once again, what was the sign 
of this covenant, of, of, of the covenant made with Noah. It says right here in Genesis 9, 13, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Once again, the rainbow, the bow in the cloud, the rainbow is the sign of the covenant. And so we know the enemy likes to take symbols or signs that God has and twist them or pervert them or use them to their own uh, demise. But the bottom line is that it's very, very uh, simple that it says right here, I do set my bow in the cloud. And we notice that when it rains, you'll even see a double rainbow sometimes. And, is that uh, a double blessing? That could be. And some people, even at the, at the end of the rainbow, are looking for a pot of gold. Uh, I hear that nobody's actually ever found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes. You know, I'll tell you what, this is what's very interesting. Um, and we won't get into to, 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 to the full story of, of uh, Noah getting drunk and one of his sons looking upon him. But, but I would like to say that there is a prophecy uh, in Genesis 9, verses 24 through 27, which is very interesting. And, and this is what it says. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, think about these three sons, okay? It's like you have three sons, okay? And, and so you have Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem's name means name. This is where we get Hashem. We don't say God or Lord or Elohim. We'll say, they'll say Hashem, which means the name, which is another reference for God among the Jewish people. It means name. Ham means hot slash warm. Japheth means expansion. So if we stop and look at these three sons, we can find something that's, that's quite interesting in the fact of you know, uh, Ham's descendants are, are in trouble. You know, there's just something trouble there. But, but the thing with Japheth, which means expansion, it says, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. This is almost like a picture of the house of Joseph or Ephraim or the, 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 the tribes coming back out of the nations, you know, the, the non-Jews and, and wanting the Torah and everything in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. So I find it interesting that Shem would represent actually the Middle East and uh, Canaan would have went down south and Japheth, of course, would have went up into Europe. You got the Ashkenazi Jews and different things. But it says, God shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. So here's a prophecy about the house of Joseph or those that have been added to uh, the 10 lost tribes would actually go into the tent of Shem, which would represent Judah, which represent the Jewish people. So I find that interesting that we would want to go into their tent. And it's interesting because Japheth means expansion. And it says that he shall enlarge Japheth. So would that go along with uh, later prophecies about becoming a multitude of nations? I, th- I think so. I mean, the thing is, it, it says, you know, uh, it talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. 
And that's really uh, what the prophecy is all about. When Jacob crossed his hands and he put the younger son uh, over the older son, Manasseh, uh, actually Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. And, And what does Paul say? And then when the fullness of the Gentiles comes into play, then all of Israel will be saved. And this is what we're seeing, this phenomenon of the Hebrews of the Christian faith sweeping the world uh, that you just can't really explain unless you go into the Bible and then it's by the Spirit. And so that's what's really happening right well, now. Well, that's, that's also pretty cool. I mean, I love the names in the, in the Bible. You have Japheth, uh, meaning expansion, and then he expands right? Oh, yeah. And so speaking of expansion, uh, here at Beit Tehillah, we've been having some really cool things going on. We've had some uh, some guests come and some new relationships. We've been expanding our tent pegs uh, to include new relationships, which for us is very, very exciting uh, because we have a heart for the Jewish people. We have a heart for Israel. And so uh, actually this week, we have in town with us an awesome guest uh, by the name of Eliezer Braun. Uh, he is a, a Jew from Samaria, and uh, he has been such a blessing. His uh, wife is a great artist, and uh, we've just had such a pleasure having him. We had him on Monday night, and then we're also going to have him again uh, Saturday and Sunday. So we are getting our money's worth out of him for sure. Oh, it's exciting. You know, he is a practicing Jew, and uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's amazing that he is really excited uh, to have all the experiences that he's had uh, to to come uh, to the churches and to find a people like us uh, that that have their Hebrew roots that are non-Jews coming from the nations. Uh, he believes that Jews and Christians can work together, and and, and although that he doesn't believe that uh, Jesus is the Messiah, uh, I find it interesting that we have a lot in common, and so we really shouldn't uh, look at it in a negative context. What we should try to do is to see. What can we work together on to accomplish something for the kingdom? Uh, we are definitely pro-Israel and everything. But like I said, you know, I think we have a lot to learn, uh, even in the church. I don't even think the church understands Judaism or the belief system of Judaism or, or exactly what the Jewish people believe. And I think by bringing a guest like this in, we can be educated. We can finally put the rest, the myths, the fables, the he said, she says, the stereotypes, and just you know, get to the get to the bulk of the teaching and understanding that we all need to have. Uh, there's a lot of people in this world uh, that have not accepted Yeshua, and and actually, there's a, a lot of people like coworkers or family members who have not accepted Yeshua. And I think that's a personal decision. And so, we really want to be careful to build relationships first, and then you know you can share uh, deeper theological things later. But I think it's important that we uh, are very careful, you know, not to to push our beliefs on, on, on people or somebody when we should get to know them first and we should be sincere. We should be honest, you know, and that way it, it's really a win-win that you know where somebody's coming from. You know, and I think that all of us, uh, we all want people to respect our position and our belief. And, uh, the main way, uh, if you want something done unto you, right, do it unto others. Um, I think one of the main ways that we earn that respect and earn the ability to uh, have others respect our positions, our convictions, is by also respecting their convictions and uh, having a relationship based on uh, a mutual respect rather than a, you know, convert or die uh, scenario, which has been, you know, the case throughout history, which is part of the reason that there is such a block up uh, to having the conversation about, you know, Yeshua and whatnot. And like I said, we just had, what, 16 people come back from Israel today 
from 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 Newark to Tampa National Airport, and so they had a great time over there. Uh, I believe uh, ten or eleven of them were first timers to go to Israel, and then before that, wow. we had three. We had actually three weeks where uh, there were like seven of them f- from our congregation who went into the harvest with Hayovel Ministry, who we really support, and so it's happening. It's going down. The land of Israel is important. Uh, we need to pray for the Jewish people. We need to come alongside the Jewish people. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And and like I said, there's just exciting things happening. Yeah, uh, there is exciting things happening. And, you know, just like no two services are alike, there's no two seasons that are alike here at Beit Tehillah. Uh, it's very exciting times. And so uh, we want to encourage you, uh, our listeners, uh, to just uh, keep your eye on the prize. Uh, stick with Yeshua. Uh, he's the one that brought us to the dance, and uh, and we'll, everything else will work itself out. And so, God, we come to you right now, and we just thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to be part of your kingdom. Lord, give us uh, wisdom, direction, so that we'll have passion and purpose in our lives, so that going forward we can, uh, can serve you better and that we can uh, do what you've called us to do in excellence. And so we pray these things in the name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.